Hello and welcome to They Just Get It. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm, and I'm excited as I've often accused of being for having my two guests. I got two guys in from Toronto today to tell me their story. I got David Gaucher and John Bunnell from Holy Veggie. So gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice nice to be here and uh, thanks for the invite, man. Mm. My pleasure. I think someone on your team reached out. I don't know. The world conspires, man. It's a small world. It's one, it's one degree of separation. So, okay. Who wants to jump in the old pitch elevator or the whatever, the elevator pitch? We got a few floors. What's holy veggie? Let's let our audience in on this, and then we'll kind of unpack the whole story. So, who wants to take the uh, who wants to take the pitch? Dave. Dave no, Jimmy does. Go nice. for it, right. Jimmy. <laughs> okay, no, you. I'll, no, you. You. No, no, you. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm in the elevator. Okay. So, yep. holy veggie um, exists to make it dead easy for anyone to eat more vegetables. That's why we. Uh, that's our DNA as a company. So. If you want to find a quick fix, an easy solution to get more vegetables in your diet, that's what we do. And we make delicious frozen vegetable-based foods. Nice. And you guys have been around, did I, uh, my internet creeping, is 2016? Was that the, is that the right Tw- number? 2017 was the official okay. uh, year of selling. Okay. Oh, nice. Okay. So how long, how long curious was it? Was this a back? Are you guys buddies from way back? Did you come together for business? Like a little bit of the, 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 the origin stories, like, you know what, there's gotta be a better way one night over beers. Like how did, what was the, what was the little bit of the, 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 the impetus for this? Great question. Um, yeah, no, I think John and I meeting is the background story to the, to the whole holy veggie story. Um, oh, cool. Okay. Nice. Right yeah. So, uh, John and I come from completely different backgrounds, but we both ended up working for a organic meat producer and uh growing up i was a meat and potatoes guy hardcore carnivore and uh you know we spent a lot of time discovering the food industry um i had not been in food before i was actually brought into that company for real estate they had bought all this land for cattle in british columbia they had a child farm in northern ontario that was all organic that organic poultry brand in in you know atlantic canada and ontario so it was a it's an interesting company, but as we dis, you know, sort of discovered the front lines of the meat industry, uh, just realized that the math really didn't equate. And I had personal experiences. You know, I spent some time in China, saw like the amount of people living in that country is different than Canada. And first thing they do when they have money is eat more meat. And I was just like, I remember there were specific moments we can share them on the podcast where it just became really apparent that like eating meat like three times a day, like I had been growing up probably wasn't the solution and you know at the time there was this huge sort of uh investment starting into like alternative meats and this is like going back to 2017 right so beyond meat was still very early you know it wasn't what it is today but uh we could see there was interest in this and we also noticed you know john he's a got a great background in in strategy and research and you know pulled out this consumer insight like one in ten adults don't eat your daily serving of recommended vegetables. Um, and that's a scary stat, right? And just think about that for one minute. We're in 2023, 2017, it was the same stat. It hasn't changed. The people are not eating vegetables like nearly uh, uh, enough. And so while we saw this interest in educating people with like, alternative meats was around sustainability, the environment, <clears throat> we didn't see any brand championing just vegetables. And mm-hmm. what John explained, right? Trying to make vegetables fun and cool and easy and tasty and like hassle-free uh we saw all this stuff in the meat world we didn't see it with vegetables so that was the key sort of impetus and and we worked together there and so we kind of learned to respect our backgrounds our knowledge very different backgrounds like i'm an engineer by trade uh so more you know operational focused 
And, you know, it sort of was a good fit. John's a really easy guy to get along with. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we just sort of, you know, started building that company, uh, trying to make a difference, trying to, like, help encourage a more sustainable agricultural system by having people eat more vegetables. It was a very simple mission, but one that we felt really important and one that we felt that with the knowledge we had acquired, you know, we thought we had some knowledge. I think with hindsight today, we knew nothing. But, <laughs> nothing like real uh, life to show up to test what you thought you knew about. Yeah, things, right? yeah. <laughs> I think it's called, you know, when did you know you were in trouble? It's like, oh, when I woke up on the mat on my back, when that left hook, I didn't even see it coming. <laughs> yeah, we've had a few times where we were I'm lying sure. on the mat. Well, if you didn't, you'd be probably, yeah. Uh, no, I've never had any issues. I'm like, well, that means I had a buddy who wouldn't hire anybody on a senior leadership team unless they'd had a major failure because then he knew it would happen on his watch. <laughs> Especially yeah. at the senior level, he's like, I want you to have a major screw up because then I know you've learned those hard lessons that can only come from, I thought I had the world by the tail. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm curious, a couple of things you said I want to unpack a little bit. I appreciate the, the journey and kind of the broader perspective. Right. You know, growing up meat and potatoes, which I, many of us did, I certainly did. And was this a position of, hey, we want to get more meat, uh, sorry, we want to get more vegetables into a balanced diet? Or did this come from a place for the two of you? And always curious to kind of the driver was this like, no, no, vegetar- being vegetarian or vegan or however you want to classify it was the way to go. Or it was simply like, yeah, yeah, no, no, we believe there's a place for meat, but hey, how come nobody's eating any vegetables? What the hell's going on? Like, was it a balanced approach or was it more clearly a little bit more ideological in terms of your own views around what we quote unquote should be eating? And I know this is a touchy subject for everybody on the shoulds of food. Yeah. No, I think I think it's a great question. And John, you'll probably want to jump in on this one as well. Uh, but no, I think, so again, John and I are two different individuals, right? We have our different life journeys. Uh, at the time, I was having my second child when we just started Holy Veggie. So I had two daughters. So I started, you know, I've always viewed myself a bit as an eco warrior. I was a hmm, process yeah. mechanic engineer, was a fancy way of saying I used to treat water growing up, you know, like, <laughs> and so, you know, there was always, you know, uh, an interest for me in, in environmental sustainability. I always loved animals, wanted to be a vet growing up, all this stuff. So uh, being on the front lines of the meat industry and sort of like pulling the wool and seeing like what that looks like. Um, like any consumer, you're just totally oblivious to like yeah. the actual realities of it. And so I think for me, like that was a real shock. And, you know, my family, my wife, she's Vietnamese, she's you know, a bit more Buddhist oriented. So we started going on this plant-based journey in our side. Okay. That being said, like the mindset with Holy Veggie wasn't like, Hey, you should become vegan because that's the only way forward. Like, that was not at all the approach. In fact, we were trying to go against that. What we noticed a lot with a lot of these sort of plant-based brands at the time was you go on the Facebook page and it was like dead animals and like all these things that are yeah, very- it, it, it was it, 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 there was a there was a series of time when that messaging was quite toxic actually. Or it was yeah, very, and, I, yeah, and like, I, I'm right, you're wrong, and aggressively yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and again, it'd be very hypocritical because I was no different, right? I ate like you know meat three times a day went up and if there wasn't no meat on the plate there was something wrong something so, was missing something was missing. Yeah, yeah i grew up in a like, so, yeah i get it yeah i think so so too. for me like but what we noticed is you know that messaging is actually counterproductive because food is very personal it's culturally ingrained people have been eating for thousands of years and you know things have just changed radically with industrialization and sort of like went to a different scale uh but you know the way we fed ourselves again it's a cultural uh it's in, it's in our blood and so i think that you know telling people you're doing it wrong is is very sensitive and so for us it was more about okay like obviously we could see that there was you know a challenge here both again people under consuming vegetables and 
the fact that we are overconsuming meat and it's having a disproportional impact on our planet. But you know, let's just make it fun. Yeah, you know. And so <laughs> no, I love it. Like love rather it. than being like, "Yo, just stop doing this, do this." And I was like, "Hey, man, try this. It'll taste good. You won't even notice it, man. It's like a chicken wing, but it's fried cauliflower. Don't worry, it's great." And so we came with that mindset. And so the whole brand was meant to be fun, colorful, approachable, encouraging, uplifting, you know, inspiring, and just, you know, breaking all those barriers around that whole conversation that you're bringing up. Because we are, we are dogmatic in the belief that anyone eating an extra vegetable, uh, because we sort of inspire them to do that, we've won. And it doesn't matter what you do. Like the chef we actually partnered with originally on our products is like the self-declared barbecue king here in Ontario. He's got like... <laughs> 50 smokers in his background. I was he just going to say, he's, yeah, yeah, he's got the Traeger t-shirts. He's got all that. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chef Ted Reader. This guy is like, he looks like a meat guy when you look at it. But we wanted those <laughs> it's guys. It's funny how there is a look, but I know. I got, I got yeah, to say, yeah, that's, yeah, but, yeah, that's, an, that's another podcast for another day. <laughs> yeah, so, but, but he's a legend. And, and you know, we wanted people with his sort of, you know, uh, um, view on food to want to eat the products that we were going to be developing. And so, our mindset was always versus about, making that specific group you're referring to your enemies, right? Your correct. your arch rivals or whatever correct. your nemesis or how which the food uh, industry. So, John, I'm curious from your perspective, you know, being more the research guy and looking at what are the trends and what's the consumer insights. Did that also line up? I'm assuming with where that you saw an opportunity or there was a gap that, like, yeah, maybe maybe there's a bit of fatigue around this very polarizing. You're right, I'm wrong kind of thing, <laughs> or yeah, you're wrong, mm, I'm right. There's still early days, yeah. but you know, I think the big aha for us was. You know, when we when we went and bought everything we could from the grocery store, and at that time there wasn't much in Canada, and Beyond Meat hadn't launched mm. their their game changing you know refrigerated burger. Everything was still frozen. There was some like refrigerated like plant based sausages. So we, when we grabbed everything, we looked at it. You know, the the first thing we noticed was that everything was kind of brown, and that that threw us off because you know if if you think of vegetables, the world of vegetables and horticulture, it's, 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 it's beautiful, colorful, vibrant. And we thought that was weird. And then the second thing was, you know, it was, it was just not good. Like the products were, were <laughs> yeah. bad. Like just, there was no taste, there's no flavor. And so our whole thing was, Hey, look, if, if we could make vegetables, you know, if we could make products that look like vegetables, taste like vegetables, add flavor, add some excess, like, some fun around it, some products that people understood. We thought we'd have a bit of a winning formula, and and we did because we launched. No one was doing what we were doing. Um, it was really unique retail, which is, which is exciting, it. but also risky because if no one's doing it, does that mean it's a bad idea, or did we just did we just see that there well, was a gap? And you know, that's the that's the fun thing about coming out different. Yeah. You could be the smartest guys in the room or not. <laughs> Back to well, your point about the left hooks, right? We we weren't we weren't like you know totally pioneering because we, we, had, we had seen some inspiration coming out of europe mm. and we always knew that in europe like from a, a food trend perspective they were always a couple years ahead i'd say now things have shifted we're seeing more innovation come out of america than in, than in europe but back then we saw like the rumblings of like you know people doing what we wanted to do and so we saw hey like if this is kind of the direction that's happening over there we thought we could bring this over here and and we didn't risk too far because we did a burger when we launched. So it's, it, we didn't uh, okay, go yeah, down. You, you, yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah, yeah. We didn't go to the span of doing some crazy, funky looking item. Like if we had launched with like 
faux salmon that was, you know, colorful, flavorful, like all the stuff. I think we would have scared the hell out of people. <laughs> we were we were a little more accessible, I'd say. Let let people be curious and let them like let them approach, right? <laughs> Interesting. And you see, like I, I love how we're talking about 2017. It almost feels like it was ancient history. Like that feels like a few lifetimes ago. And obviously we've got a big pandemic in the middle of it. But in the world of food and the world of food trends, like with your like how fast are we cycling from one to like I remember Beyond Meat trend and now you're hearing so much pushback of like, well, geez, is this really healthy? What are all these ingredients that we don't understand? Like these cycles seem to be happening shorter, but maybe that's also the world we live in. Is food is is that is our um taste cycling through quicker or is it just the feeling that everything's moving faster these days? I yeah, I think you know, the going back to our original thesis is you know john used to say like you know th this is emulsified food right they would transform plants and, and try to mimic meat which we thought was an incredibly challenging mm. uh process and you know you needed you know a lot of capital a lot of r d uh you know science backing yeah. which we had none of right <laughs> so um you know we but what we saw there was an opportunity to educate consumers at scale Right of something that we had sort of perceived firsthand being in an industry that you know is uh, you know good at keeping things behind wrap, and so I think for us that was the first thing in terms of when you talk about the risk profile. We felt that there'd be consumer education, which is the hardest thing to educate consumers. Well, that, that also is capital intensive in a different way. Massively right? so capital. And, and so not, these guys, it's not plant and equipment, but it's messaging and hearts and minds, which is incredibly hard to swing. <laughs> absolutely. So <laughs> scale, add that yeah, to yeah. the mix of you know things that. We could have never endeavored to take on, but we knew early on that company had been funded by the likes of Leonardo DiCaprio. They were backed yeah. by Bill Gates, and it was like, okay, like there is some serious interest in you know trying to change, uh, you know, create change. So that was sort of the one thing. But when we looked at it, it was like, man, like I don't understand what's in the ingredient deck. And you know, I, I'm an engineer. I'm not a food scientist. John's a researcher, not a food scientist. But we look at food a lot, and. You know, we understand manufacturing processes and stuff. And I was like, man, I, I don't know what's going on here. And so our premise, again, was like vegetables are complex on their own. And Mother Nature has developed these incredibly <laughs> beautiful, uh, you know, vegetables that, you know, all we need to do is just, you know, let them shine. And so the whole premise behind Holy Veggie was simple ingredients, right? Things you can pronounce. I always used to joke at trade shows. I have two young daughters. Like, if they can't read it, we're not selling it, right? And what I feed my kids is what we're putting to market. So there was a lot of focus on that early on uh, with the idea of, you know, simplicity around the vegetables. And so today you are seeing sort of this sort of thesis we had play out a bit where yeah. consumers might be curious about this um, whole plant-based, you know, meat alternative movement, but they may have pushback on the ingredient declarations because... The idea that that is healthy is being questioned, and you know it's also being uh, a lot of the narrative and pushback is also being funded by the meat lobby, and people should be aware that that's a big part of the dynamic. Uh, but you know, it, there's truth to this, right? It, it, it is processed food. Ultimately, you know, whichever form of processed food you're eating, it'll be less healthy than eating, you know, less processed food. So I think that's a very true uh, thing, and you know. You look at this category, it's still growing a lot. It's just that what happened was the panacea of plant-based became so big, especially during COVID, uh, you know, when Beyond Meat became a publicly traded company and 
a lot of companies started raising like very large amounts of capital and it became a bit of a hype train if you look at canada here we had the cannabis industry which was to me sort <laughs> yes, of analogous <laughs> to that so i think people now are like oh it's not working well it's because like the expectations that were put on this industry were so you know uh, so elevated uh, they were frankly unrealistic and you know well your marketing the, gets ahead of your delivery yeah, yeah like, and, like, and, a, a good campaign gets ahead of the reality <laughs> right and 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 the expectations for investor community and then these these companies started like pumping out so many products and it goes back to john what john said is that like people lost sight of the fact that it's got to taste great it's food right like food's got to taste great we do products we haven't done only good products we've had some terrible products but <laughs> the one thing we've always done is we made sure they taste damn good because you know it's food and so i think you know what you saw with this whole you know meat alternative plant-based movement was so much pressure for, on these companies to start delivering our, our outrageous rates of return they and growth chase it, chase it, they start chase throwing everything under the sun there's a you got too many skews and you get and you basically trip over yourself how many skews how, how many different products do you guys have I, of course i'm scrolling your website and i didn't i didn't write i didn't count <laughs> yeah so we we've launched a lot over time which i think is natural for some people but um you know we basically have like eight eight SKUs that that are our core business okay um that's across appetizers and and frozen nut trees and a, skew, a portfolio is also a very dynamic fluid mm-hmm. thing because you're constantly bringing new stuff stuff in and moving stuff out um but also just just back to your original question where you were, you were specifically asking about the compression of trends so I would say that, yes, like you were kind of leading into, hey, are things getting shorter? And I don't think it's just food. I think it's everything. You know, I think it's because we we support this kind of ADD mentality with technology. So I think, I think the technology is what is driving consumer behavior. So it's no coincidence that the trends are, are now compressing even more with the wide scale adoption of snap snap you know snap and tiktok and all as, these things as, as my phone is at my right hand at all times i know yeah, <laughs> face face yeah. down because i'm like I'm, I'm focused don't bother me leave me alone for a minute <laughs> yeah so this this is this is normal our technology our technology is driving consumer behavior which is permeating across all industry cycles and food the other thing that affects trends is is barriers to adoption or innovation so when you get a category like food where the barriers have continually dropped for a for someone to just come up with a product and and just get it on a website that again technology has enabled a a faster a faster a faster curve and so like we're seeing moore's law in action right now <laughs> and it's going to get more and more compressed which is got pros and cons like yeah we're going to get access to as a consumer like more and more things but it doesn't necessarily mean that we have compressed the time it takes to make a good product uh, interesting yeah good food good food takes time no matter how much Vo- you, try. Volume, you can have it good you can have it fast you can have it cheap it's hard to have all three right <laughs> yeah that's just a reality right we've seen it we've done it we're living breathing examples of if you move too fast and some stuff you're gonna have issues if you take your time you're gonna have good products and then there's but there's a risk of somebody jumping in with a quick flash in the pan style product but, but you know what though with that stuff like they don't stick around yeah like they just just like you know apple was not the first with the smartphone you know palm pilot was the one who was spearheading but they made a better product 
right? And it's the same thing we see it right now. And, and like, we're looking at a few frozen pizza brands and like, we could say like, oh my God, not another frozen pizza. But if you come out with a great product, yeah, like that is going to win every time. You're going to have to obviously right price point, like all that stuff. But yeah, there's a complexity to that, but you're right. As a consumer, I don't need another option until that option that I've now encountered is better than the one I had before. And then all of a sudden I'm very open to a new option. <laughs> make it I don't sticky. need another. Yeah. Make, don't need another. Um, for you guys, you guys are in Canada and, and the U S cause I know you mentioned earlier, you were just in a trade show. We were chatting before we hit play, I hit record, but yeah, and you're in the U S market. What's your, what's your distribution or what's the balance look like? Yeah, we, um, I mean, obviously, we're a Canadian brand, so we we launched in Canada first. John and I were at a. So you guys are based. You guys are both in Toronto, right? Just for my audience, yeah. Yeah, we're both both in Toronto. Um, John grew up in, in Scarborough here. I grew up in Montreal. Uh, been living here for about eight years now. So, um, Toronto has been great for us, and uh, there's a very dynamic food scene. Uh, so. Uh, culture you know, just sheer volume of people you've got yeah of, I, I don't want to i say this respectfully a bit of a u.s size and scale of city compared to other you know canadians montreal smaller calgary smaller vancouver a little more diversified but toronto still kind of stands out in that way right it, it, it does but i'll tell you this man we've met phenomenal food entrepreneurs in alberta and bc is a huge community quebec nice. obviously has a huge yeah, agri- quebec's got its own business. unique kind yeah of yeah yeah so I think Canada, like we've got really amazing uh, brands and a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, it's it's actually quite shocking being in the U.S. seeing the presence that Canada has. Oh, like, very cool! Oh, I love yeah, it. Yeah, nice. and it's it, I mean you know hats off to all the Canadian food entrepreneurs because we are highly over indexing this sort of natural food industry at you know at scale in the u.s so i haven't heard that from anybody that's awesome I'm yeah all, no uh, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I i'm all canada 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 strong on that one that's great to hear yeah Very cool. yeah i didn't know that and, yeah, yeah. And, and you know some that's governments awesome. are doing an incredible job of supporting the uh the entrepreneurs so you know i know quebec specifically they have a lot of like programs and stuff to support mm-hmm. uh you know brands to export and there's good like edc programs federally that that support brands so no well, i think we're 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 you know Government's there to support the brands, and the brands are innovating and really at the forefront of this industry. So that's a tangent. No, but that's um, so good. To, it's still good. Hey, I'm always up for positive tangent. That's hey, yeah. that's we joked earlier. That's why I don't do a Q and A podcast. We just have a chat because sometimes the tangents are worth going down. It's so it's good. <laughs> yeah. So, but our us specifically, I mean, we started a show in Vancouver. John and I, you know, it was sort of like you know putting the boot together till one in the morning and dodging security because you're not supposed to be there and you know <laughs> going like we had these three little patties we developed this you know meat chef and then you know all vegetables very clean and you know the idea was we'll see you know if this project has any legs or if not you know we'll just it'll be a nice project and you know it was it was fun working to develop the brand and the initial line of products and we got our first orders from our uh, distributor in the industry called unfi uh, we've been working with them ever since uh and we we launched you know within a few months with with metro in ontario mm-hmm. that was our first client and um you know we've sort of we've grown we've gone we've grown you know over the years to be a national brand in canada uh, and then you know we we started in the u.s sort of by accident uh it's actually a ted conference in vancouver where somebody tried our product at target and so we launched with target uh we didn't know what we were doing, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, right and uh, we, you know, we we didn't have the best product when we first started there, but we bought new innovation, and suddenly, like during COVID, things just really took off for us. And 
know, today you can find us in a lot of grocery stores. We're in like over 8,000 grocery stores as of next week. We're just launching right now with Kroger, which is a big uh, retailer Mm -hmm. in the U.S. Um, We've got some presence with Walmart in the U.S. Uh, We've done some Costco business. Uh, We are, you know, Target, Whole Foods, Sprouts, a lot of different you know, retailers. 8,000 8, has got some, you got a couple zero, like, you know what I mean? It's got some impact when you say 8,000. <laughs> that, 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 but that's also, I'd say on the 8,000, but that's also similar to a portfolio where it's very transitionary because mm. you'll, you'll add some retailers and lose some. So yep. I'd say like, are we 8,000? Like we, we honestly would have to go and like pull all of our stores again, again to take a look but you know, it is compounding generally speaking when you, mm-hmm. When you start growing, well, you're you're trending. You're looking at kind of what's more adding versus less dropping off, and some probably yeah. not the right markets. Yeah. Curious. I, I'm I love talking business, so I can I do want to not lose the sight of that. This is still two guys on a journey to build a company with a family, two young daughters. John, I'm not sure your background. Like to, to not lose that. My other podcast that everyone, most of my fans know, I do is all about business. So I could unpack your business for days on this call. But what yeah. about you guys? Like you started a business from scratch. Two random dudes that met each other working at a working at a, working out of the same company, and you decided to go down this path. Like this is not an easy road, and the food business is tough. Like every business is tough when you're first getting into it. Sound like you had some breaks. Like any questions or like crisis of conscience of like, hey, is this the right thing? And I've got a family. Like talk to me a little bit the early days of the journey, like the real human side of this. And like it's all great to look at you guys now. And go, oh, it's working. But what about those yeah. days where you're like, oh shit, man, I don't know if I can. I don't know if this is the right call. Like did that happen? And I guess, did it ever happen at the same time? Or like, I'm also in a long-term relationship with my business partner for 15 years. Whenever either of us were out of sync, it was never at the same time. So one would always kind of like, yeah, okay, you run, you know, do your thing. And the balance of a good partnership. I'm just curious, the human side of the journey, especially in the, in the, early, in the early days. Yeah, I'd say the early days were a bit easier than, than now. Ah, cool. Yeah, because in the no, early yeah. days, like you still have a, like, there's still a ton of optimism that can fuel you to like bulldoze through stuff. <laughs> reality, and, the cloud of reality hasn't settled over. Yeah. <laughs> like, like if I look at myself now versus back then, back, you know, when we first started, like I spent probably every single weekend in a grocery store sampling, like, and I just, that's all I, all I cared about. Like all I cared about was just like Friday, like, like I was, I was almost actually, I, I sad to say, I was almost excited to like break up with my girlfriend back then. So I could spend more time going to <laughs> grocery stores talking to and, customers, on, talking to on customers. Friday night, like like auditing stores and seeing what's going on. Um, so nice. I would say like, yeah, easier. Like now it's like you, you've done it for so long and you almost have to like continually give yourself a new like purpose and drive like all the time. And you, you hopefully transition out of spending every single weekend in the grocery store to like having a little bit more life balance. And then spending time thinking about like, you know, more, more strategic problems with the business. Um, and that stuff, when you start thinking about more strategic problems, that stuff's harder to grasp. Yeah, It's not so black and white. Like it's very black and white when you first start. Cause it's like, okay, get the product into the store, make sure the store sells the product to the consumer. <laughs> Make sure it gets put in a place that people see yeah. it, get people to try it. Yeah. Induce trial and sample, sample, sample. It, it's, it's, simp- it's very like, hmm. it, it's very tactical. Well, whereas, it's more like, transactional, right? At that point. Yeah. And I think whereas you grow and all of a sudden you add all these stores, you have additional problems, which is like, how do you stay in those stores? Yeah. How do you make sure you're still growing year over year in a way that 
that kind of like you feel, you know, reflects a high growth brand? How do you make sure you keep launching successive stuff that builds on stuff that's worked? It's a very different suite of problems. Hmm. And it's a very, um, like, like very challenging. It's very, very challenging. Way, it's way different. Like, I think it, some people are also like designed to just, they're really good in the first couple of years of a business, but they're not good in yeah, the latter the, half. The, the founders, the builders versus the operations. Yeah. And yeah. There, there are two different mindsets and sometimes respecting just where you fit in that as a, as an entrepreneur who's like, no, I have to do it all because that's my role, but really starting to find out where your strengths actually play. Hmm. Yeah. Like it, it, and like you get the additional stuff, like we, like we they, Dave and I've had the stuff, normal stuff of, you know, you know, raising cash, running out of cash, needing to raise more money, <laughs> Yeah. Dealing with like, you know, having to work with suppliers, having to find new manufacturers, having to get rid of manufacturers, launching stuff that's worked, launching stuff that hasn't worked, you know, potentially losing a retailer, winning a ton. Like you have all these like really highs and lows. Um and um and so like that that's, that's I think that's normal. I think it's normal. Like we just had a scale where like it moved fast. Like people still come up to us at don't like even just at CHFA, people come up to us and they remark on like, oh my God, you guys are everywhere, all this distribution. But like that is such a that is such a smoke screen because that is not like just because you're in those doors doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting into people's shopping carts. Like yeah. and it's not linear. So I think that's where there's almost like a one oh one, I think, class that has to get taught to people in this industry on like what really matters for your business. It's not, not number of doors you have. Yeah. Right? It's knowing, it's knowing what your metrics are and, and also yeah. what you, what, what you allow to get pulled around by because you can, yeah, like you said about even the highs and lows, I certainly found being in, in leadership for a long periods of time. Like how do you level that out in a way to kind of self-preserve, but also maintain yeah. your optics when you're looking at problems that are now you're trying to solve things today that are going to have you an impact six or months or a year from now versus like, I just got to get in a store on a Friday night and get as many samples into people's, hands as we can and hopefully sell product. Like the time span of those two scenarios is very, very different. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Ah, thanks for the, I appreciate the honesty, man. I, I love when people just tell me straight, like, yeah, it's a roller coaster yeah. and here's how it is. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. No, you like, didn't give me the polished, uh, uh, news clip, uh, answer. So I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, and you know, I'll just jump in with John because you know, everything is, he he's saying is very true. Um, but you know, like, Starting the business, at least like for me, was a real challenge because a lot of these food entrepreneurs are a bit younger. They're usually coming out of, you know, uh, university. Like we had like full time jobs, I had two kids. You know, cost of daycare in, in the city. Yeah, of Toronto. we can all. Most of us can fill in our blanks right. of what that means, right? That's right. A real, that's a real thing. That's a, I a responsibility. Just, it's very real. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like most millennials, I just sort of taken on an enormous amount of debt to buy a house because I needed <laughs> a place to live with my kids. So. Um, the challenge of, you know, making a leap into building a business and losing out on a salary when you've, you're a professional, yeah. uh, was extremely, uh, tense for me personally with my family, with my wife, uh, she's been a phenomenal supporter and, you know, she's always known that like, um, if I felt passionate about something that, you know, I should pursue it and, you know, she's, she's been great. Uh, to support me, but at the same time, like there were some realities that were, <laughs> yeah, you know, had to be dealt with, and you know, so you know, she she started you know working more and and, and sort of helping me, you know, uh, in this uh, whole process. So 
um, you know, I think early on was, was to me very, very challenging. Uh, today, what you have is, you know, like John was alluding to, like the dynamics have shifted a lot. You were talking about, you know, what's happened to the industry and the panacea and did all that down. You know, there's been so much food inflation and it's impacted, you know, consumer purchase intent for, you know, premium natural food products. So the industry as a whole is kind of reeling a bit right now in this part of the business cycle. So there's, and there's also less sort of unknowns around. You know, the industry, we've learned a lot uh, being, you know, passionate entrepreneurs and, and being focused on, 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 on building the company. So, you know, I think when, when, when there's more unknown, it's sort of like yeah, the naivete of it is, is kind of nice because it just sort of like, you know, <laughs> yeah, it, I, you, I, I, you just kind of roll with it. And, you know, I've got great food and we'll figure it out. And people love this. And we're, you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, we're not going to change the world, but we're trying to do our part right and for me that was always super important um with my daughters again having been in the meat industry and seeing and and discovering what i had discovered i felt like doing this whether it worked or not um you know i could always say at least you know dad was trying to do something and that's why for me today like i still always go back to that sort of fundamental uh belief yeah, go system. back to that stake in the ground right yeah, yeah, yeah. so no matter what happens it makes me a bit fearless about whatever the outcome ends up being uh, but like John said, like, like a lot, you know, we did the show this weekend, and oh, you're on these grocery stores, and I was mentioning that earlier. But like, that is by no means the token uh, sort of uh, of success, like in this industry, yeah, yeah. right? Like, it, it's an indicator. Like, you've got you do a good job gaining distribution, but like, it's a product market fit. There are people shopping the product. Uh, that's you've got the you've got two customers, right? You've got the the retailer who who believes it enough to give it a try, but you still have to consumer that has to pick it up, put it in their basket and, and exit the store with it there. Like that's a yeah, tricky business. And, and, a lot of people don't understand. Like you've got to get it on the shelf, but you've got to get it to go from the shelf to the cart. Like that's a big gap there. It's a huge gap. Actually one's a B2B and one's B2C completely different trains of events. <laughs> right. And, and, and you, you nail it on the head because sometimes it's really challenging just getting on the shelf, but yeah. you know, We've brought innovation and, you know, category was growing for the most part up until recently where that has changed now. But, you know, so we were able to do a, a decent job of growing our presence on, on grocery store shelves. But like from that to having those people put in the cart, I'd yeah. say like 90% of the battle is actually the consumer because, uh, you know, and, and again, during COVID, you know, anything frozen or in a grocery store was you know, really uh, you know, benefiting from a very unique conjecture. Yeah. And we definitely yeah. had that, uh, like a lot of different people, but uh, we're seeing it today being more challenging. Like the, 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 the pendulum has shifted here. People are buckling down on their expenses, especially yeah. in Canada with all the mortgage increases. Life and just costs 20 to 30% more every time you turn around. Like mm -hmm. it's, don't, don't quote me on those stats, but I buy something that I bought a year ago. I'm like, wait a second, go back and do the math. I'm like, that's like 23% more. Like I don't even go to the grocery store with my wife because it actually makes me in a bad mood. So she's like, Tyler, yeah, just stay well, home. We're going to buy these <laughs> things anyways, but don't even come. Because <laughs> I'm like, what? How much? And yeah, I get kind of a bit spazzy, so I don't do it. <laughs> it's, it's so funny for you to say that because like John would tell me that you got to spend more time in grocery stores. So I'd go to grocery stores and the first thing I would look is just people's demeanor and i remember how being <laughs> in the grocery store people used to get you know it's sort of like a relaxing fun experience you're you're shopping for food and people generally like it but you yeah, see back to the now. whole like food culture like you talked about earlier like, right. oh, what are we going to make and it's fun and yeah no, people that's not a happy place no I think maybe, man right now people yeah. <laughs> come on with their game face on and 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 the yeah the the amount of like focus in the media on inflation and then like specifically food, food which is the most personal thing because that's something people buy every week 
and all you know here in canada we've got all these discussions about retailers and greedflation all these things right so i think Mm -hmm. what you're seeing now are shoppers coming into these stores with like what you said right like they're coming in already like all right i'm about to get raked over the coals here so you know (laughs) it's an an adversarial transaction it it, it is and here's the funny thing about all this consumers are a really interesting animal because Ultimately, they're creatures of habit. People are still buying a Starbucks coffee like they did three years ago. Guess what? Cost has gone way up, right? But people are still buying it because that's sort of in the context of a routine. And there's well, no- and it's in another bucket. That's a treat. That's, I'm, I'm worth it. Like it's in a different, slightly different Correct. category, right? Absolutely. Correct. So in the grocery I, I, store, I love the formulas we all have on how we assess <laughs> our life. <laughs> so, but the, here's the crazy thing: like in the grocery store, we felt like. We could see where this was going in Canada, especially earlier, because like we're really like the first thing, like the nice addresses need to have, and like you know, private label they position themselves in the grocery stores to sort of really grab market share Mm -hmm. in in this environment. But like you know, it's in context, right? You see pricing, you see coupons, consumers like I can save a buck here, buck here. So you're seeing people like their their shopping behavior is very much driven on uh, you know promos and couponing and. And, you know, like value and stuff like that. So like for us, obviously, you know, these, these smaller food manufacturers uh, that are not conglomerates and are not part of the empire of, you know, the, the retail private label yeah. stuff, like we are more uh, vulnerable to consumer shifts. And so, you know, we, we've seen this for the past sort of year and a half where, you know, the, 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 the go from the shelf to the cart be becoming more of a battle. And it's just making us think a bit differently about innovation going forward uh, because it's a new sort of set of challenges that in the past we, we didn't really uh, have to deal with that in the you know, first years building it. So, Are you guys seeing, like just talking about the trends in the, in the, in the grocery space, because you're right, if you're listening to this, you've seen the impact of increasing cost of food. It's just the way, it's just the way it is, along with the list of everything else in your life. Um, are you seeing traction in the, like the Sunter- I'm thinking, I'm, I'm in Alberta, so I'm thinking Sunterra, Community Health, Lush Lane, like smaller, tend to be a little bit more, you used to call them the health food store. Now, oh, they carry a lot of the same products. But I've also seen Safeway in my neighborhood now start to add in a whole bunch of those health products that were now over there. And I'm seeing an interesting kind of blend as each of them are trying to grab a little bit of their markets. For a product like yours, does it resonate more in that community health food uh, shopper or whole food shopper versus a metro shopper? Or does it really just depend on the store and the placement and the, and the community that it's in? That was a really, really big, complex question. Yeah, I yeah. Sorry, having, sorry, John. Sorry, I threw no, that one at you. <laughs> I've been having chats with people about this. Um, like, look, like <clears throat> the national retailers, they they're aware that the natural the natural product section in their store is a very small portion of the overall revenue for a national a, a national retailer like yep. like the Loblaws, but they understand that that customer is, is very important to them. Because that customer tends to have a higher basket ring, and they know that that customer is is going to be the future, and that customer tends to skew younger um, as well. And so, I I'd say that you know from the shifting dynamics, what's going to happen in twenty twenty five years? It's going to be very difficult for independent independent natural retailers to compete with the big players because that customer is naturally migrating towards. You know the big the big box stores, and that cu- and the customers also growing up, understanding that, hey, you know the big natural retailer that is near me in an urban area, they carry all like the natural products I'd see at an independent shop anyway. 
Yeah. And the big, big natural retailers, they or the big national people, they have, they, they offer the the store stores, and they have the buying power and all the stuff. And so the prices tend to be a little bit lower because the independent store with one or two locations can't amortize those costs over the same volume. So naturally, their prices are a bit higher. But we're we're seeing very interesting models. You know, you know places like the big carrots, um, you know where they they keep their margins a bit lower. Um, but they're just really good at, um, you know, sourcing and procuring a lot of local products. So what will happen, I think, in the future is you'll have hyper local products for these independent retailers, and then anybody that is basically trying to do a national carried independent, you know, a natural organic brand will be at the big national retailers. It's just, it's really hard. Like we like it's hard for brands. It's also really hard for natural and organic specialty independence to compete in this marketplace because our government has done such a horrid job <laughs> at facilitating competition and we're canadians we're, we we deal with monopolies yeah it's it, it, it's crazy because even in western canada right the jim patterson group has bought you know some of the natural independence stores like choice choices and so it's becoming more and more consolidated but to john alluded to like I have so much respect for these, uh, you know, independent natural food store operators because they're basically set up to fail, and yet some are winning, right? Like, goodness me, is opening new locations. He talked about Big Carrot's model, which is doing extremely well. That's close to my house here in Leslieville. Um, there's also a retailer in Quebec, which is really interesting, called uh, Avril uh, Supermarché Santé. So it's you know, they are going from, there were three or four stores, they're going to be 11 now, and they offer, like, premium organic food locally sourced, but at really good pricing. Um, so some of these, you know, sort of natural food operators... They're making a go of it, right? Yeah. yeah, and again, like, you know, a lot of them can't compete, to John's point, with the scale of, of the industry right now and the, the, the big four in food, but um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's awesome to see them. And, and for us, they're the ones who gave us a shot when we first started. And yeah, yeah never been lost on us like brands like ours will not get into a loblaws right like right out the gate or something like maybe you do but like for the most part you're going to build your brand with these community you know sort of food natural food type uh, uh, grocery stores and and they're they're the ones that are like interested in in bringing novel products and educating consumers on on well, because know. that's that's part of where they have to to really showcase their value proposition of right. like oh you'll find unique things here uh yeah so interesting um was, yeah, I was, at, I was at our Safeway in our neighborhood, just did a big reno, and I was there with my wife the other day, and all of a sudden, I was like, oh, we need to go to Blush Lane. She's like, oh, let's go check their section. They might have it here. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, right there, that consumer, her basket just went up, <laughs> because now we didn't go two minutes down the street to the Blush Lane, because she's like, well, I think yeah. we can get it here now. So the one-stop shop, and I was like, oh, wow, that hurt Blush Lane. That gave them more money. But yet, for her, it was more convenient. And since my wife does groceries, whatever makes it easy for her, I'm going to fully right. support that <laughs> for sure because I don't want to get roped in. But I watched it happen. I was like, oh, wow, this is a changing consumer behavior in real life, right? in real time. Yeah, and you'll save a dollar. And like I said, like in grocery, people are looking to save that yeah, dollar right now. Totally. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's 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 a it's challenging time for 
all these sort of medium-sized companies in food at, at large, whether you're a manufacturer, a brand owner. Uh, it's such a trend or, you're seeing across so many industries. Like so yeah, many it's, food, right? It's just food because food's interesting because it impacts every single one of us. We all have to get food, but what we get then becomes the differentiator. Like you said, going to the, going to the grocery store with your game face on because you know, because you feel like you're getting robbed the second you even go in there. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's but you know, the challenge with all this ultimately, and John and I saw it, is... Um, Canada, you know, we saw during COVID, right? We don't do a lot of food manufacturing. A lot of we import a lot of stuff, and yeah, our, our weaknesses showed up real quick, right? <laughs> they did, and yeah, yeah. you know, the more you let you know industries consolidate, uh, you know, we know manufacturing owners like they only make money once their plant is fully depreciated, and if somebody doesn't have an accounting background, that means that like the equipment's yeah. already been paid off and written off. Uh, because you know that's how little they can actually make, and so it's such you a know, small margin. Thin it is, yeah. yeah. So, like you know, nobody's buying that new equipment. Is the point because they can't justify it? Uh, so it makes the industry less competitive. It also hurts brands like ours that are trying to be innovative. Uh, that being said, like I said at the top of the show, somehow there are so many incredible entrepreneurs in Canada and food still finding uh, ways. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, and because well, when I'm 21, I. I don't believe you that I can't do it. So I'm going to do it anyways. Like there is a freedom and there yep, is a power there that, is. that can't be underestimated. Right. As we all get older and more jaded. <laughs> anyways, I'm not to lump us all into the same category here, but it does happen. You're like, Oh, that won't work because of this. I didn't know yeah. what wouldn't work when I was 21. So I did it anyways. <laughs> yeah. Here, hold my beer. I think I can do this. I saw it in a comic. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry. It's very guy oriented humor. Um, yeah. Hey, Awesome conversation, you guys. Where where are things headed? Let's let's not let's not get too debt weighed down with the realities. Let's get back to the fun of like I'm on your page right now. It's fun. It's high energy. It's bright colors. What's bright about where you guys are headed with this thing? Uh, John, he did an incredible post last year where you know we had we had been able to serve like with two million pounds of vegetables in yeah. in, in a year. Mm, um, back, to your was, core, back to your core purpose of getting vegetables, right? Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, we'll, we'll be doing less this year. <laughs> That was, you know, but um, that gets us really excited, right? Like, uh, John's a builder, right? I, you know, I we were tweaking. I'm on constantly tweaking, and you know, we're turning we're, the dials. Yeah, totally. yeah, and, and we're we're working on new innovation again. That's a bit more bulletproof to you know this new sort of reality about you know the the shift private label. So we're learning. We're still learning a lot, yeah, and yeah. we're we're seeing people want to eat more vegetables again. Like the, all the headlines around well, those, those health those healthy choice trends aren't going away like but how That's, they're getting impacted by inflation but you're right that core trend just people i know and again my circle everyone's trying to make better choices and, ed- and educating themselves to know what that is a hundred percent and you know john made such an interesting comment about like the short lived cycle around everything today like we're all like adhd or whatever he alluded to but <laughs> it's so true and you see that in food a lot but i fundamentally believe that like you know, this idea of eating a bit differently and being more conscious of how we feed ourselves is not a trend. It's not a fad. It's, yeah. o- it's ownership of our own health and well-being and energy, like that whole, like not lifespan, but health span, like how long can I stay healthy? I don't think, I think those are more macro trends. What we choose to try in the middle is where the real micro trends show right. up. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And totally. so I think that there, there is some sort of like permanent and, and, and for us to try and be a small part of hmm. inspiring that type of change is uh is what fuels us right and again like we're, we're trying to help people eat more vegetables and if we can do a small part in doing that um that's how we view winning and 
the business we'll see where it goes man like every 12 months it's like <laughs> totally not where it's, we it's like it's a big it's a it, i know someone else oh where are you headed i'm like i've been running i've been running my company for 15 years i'm like well it's still kind of an experiment right now the experiment's <laughs> just going well but next year i might try some different like yeah it's just yeah. the reality because I, I didn't see covid coming and it ended up being the best thing didn't seem like the best thing at first but it ended up that way <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's, it's a big it's experiment and people laugh they were like oh like what what i've learned over 15 years is i have an idea where it's going next year but i don't really know for sure <laughs> Yeah. So, no, but we're we're also curious about like things that are keep us excited, right? We're seeing new innovations in food and agri food. So, like you know, regenerative is is something mm-hmm. that you know, like we're we're keenly interested in in being part of that conversation. Well, the impact that technology is having on on ag and food tech is impressive. Yeah, and we'll solve some problems. We'll we'll take a long time. Like you know, the the the, the promise of technology is often overstated in the early days, but you know, digital transformation, that isn't an industry, that's an everywhere thing, right? <laughs> it is, it is. And so how that applies to sort of improving how, you know, we, we, we grow our food. And, you know, for us, we're always curious, how does the brand resonate with all these sort of different facets? Like one thing that we discovered, like when we were building the business was, you know, yes, vegetables and, and maybe, you know, less meat. Uh, again, not condoning meat, just you know, but but then it was like how much food waste there is, and so we started you know unpacking this whole idea of of upcycling, and you know we launched a product that that incorporated you know rescued vegetables in the powder of. Our, I love the I love the, yeah. So I just love that I'm a market rescued vegetables. You already have my attention. I'm like, tell yeah, more no, about but, these rescued vegetables. But that's what it is. Like, I can see food. a whole campaign unfolding. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, nice, you, like but you see what brands right? Like guys <laughs> are doing like the imperfect or the ugly you know vegetable, yeah. but like it, it's a real thing, and like. There's billions of metric tons of food getting wasted in Canada alone. And so, like, for us to, like, you know, try yeah. to make the brand be part of that dialogue um, is what gets Go back us to your, some of your original roots around sustainability and how, how do we right. just be less wasteful? You, like, you can park all the buzzwords, but let's just be less wasteful. Like, yeah. I grew up in a world where waste was just like, it's just like any, anytime I can be more efficient in my life, I feel better about it. I think in food, we as an average consumer have no idea how much waste there is. It's like, it's insane, actually. <laughs> Yeah, and so our our rescue. purpose, yeah, I mean, rescued vegetables. Job, yeah, rescue. Yeah, but our our job is to just you know we're, we're not greenwashing. Like we're obviously we're very serious about this, mm-hmm. and we take it very personally. Uh, but you know, we also realize we're not Unilever, we're not Pepsi Cola, we're not President's Choice. We're not the ones that are going to like make the huge change in the world. But if we can inspire consumers and educate them around you know these exciting new trends or ways of thinking around food. And, you know, they start, you know, buying our products and, you know, or other brands that do these types of things. Uh, it'll force, you know, the ones that actually will move the needle to do something. And you're seeing the power of the consumer. Uh, to be yeah, able to yeah do fo- that. Follow, the, follow the money, right? We, 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 we ultimately decide with our wallets. And if we yeah. decide not to buy something, the big brands will change because that's just a, that's a strategic, like, now they have no choice, right? <laughs> yeah. And so our brand wants, wants to, to be the one that showcases a bit what that can look like lights, in terms the, fu- of, lights the fuse <laughs> right and then you know that, so that that's 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 what gets us excited i love it um i'm assuming i can find your like again shop all recipes where, where, where to buy i'm in alberta you guys mentioned you have lots of connections here i'm sure i can go to most of my store now that i know what i'm looking for and that's always the consumer like i didn't even know i was looking for this before today yeah <laughs> that's the challenge back to the getting it in the basket right we're we're and also like you know, we we we're starting to push people who come to our website to their local retailer, um, just because as as a, as frozen food like DTC had its boom in the pandemic, but now for frozen, it's it's not really a priority okay. for consumers that's, that, to that buy. Cycle, that cycle, yeah. Yeah, 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 it did, it did. 
Uh, but yeah, so like Alberta, like, you know, we're, we're in Calgary co-op, um, we're in Fed co-op, um, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're Loblaw, Sobeys, Thrifty, Safeway. Um, yeah, you're, you, know, you guys are five minutes yeah. from our house at the Safeway and Garrison. Yeah. So you guys yeah. are out there. You're, 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 you're available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So people can find us in the frozen section. I appreciate you say about that trend of like the direct consumer versus like, no, just go to the grocery store. Cause everybody. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, yeah. we, we like, even the, even the big brands that aren't frozen in, in the U S like a lot of them are just directing consumers to the stores because, you know, all these retailers have built up really sophisticated pick and pack operations now where, yeah. you know, for, for six bucks a month, your, all your <laughs> groceries are, are free and delivered. It's like, yeah. how do you compete with that? You know? Well, it also comes back to core competencies in business, right? Stay in your lane, know what you're good at, be awesome at that, and let someone else yeah. be awesome at that. Right. Like those retail stores, their job is to to get the like they control the consumer. So stay in your lane and be better at that. But that's just that's kind of business one one that I think we all learn as entrepreneurs. Sometimes you sometimes you leave your lane for the wrong reasons and re, and sometimes get pushed right back into it. Oh <laughs> but yeah, but it's I funny, think we like, all had. I think we just call it learning. <laughs> yeah, but like it's so unpredictable, right? Like COVID, that you talked about your business and the trajectory, and we kind of added like. That summer of COVID, I think I had like at one point like twenty blocks of dry ice like in boxes in my yard, just trying to see like you know what was the rate of you know a depletion <laughs> nice. for the amount yeah, of yeah. food, and you know my poor daughters can run with the, the you know the 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 soccer ball outside because there was like too many dry ice slabs floating around, and you know, everybody was selling us. <laughs> no, that's an entrepreneur <laughs> journey right there. What's, what, is, what are you doing? I'm doing an experiment. I got to see. I got to yeah. know how this but, actually deteriorates with heat. <laughs> Everybody was like, you have to be D to C, that's the future. And it was so wrong. And like, you know, for us, like at the same time, the air fryer trend took off. And that really like was the one thing that I think oh, God, you know, yeah. really helped us out. For it's just so big. I don't have room in my kitchen for another appliance that's the size of a small <laughs> car. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> well, we, uh, we, yeah, we can hook you up. We, uh, we do campaigns <laughs> with Ninja air fryer and that, you know, again, so it's, it's a lot of this stuff is so unpredictable. So yeah, go back like to the question. Said, yeah, like, back about how quick and where it's going. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gentlemen, uh, that was a pleasure that like, Hey, the art of a good old fashioned conversation, just getting to know you guys and your journey. And I love the reality and just thanks for being real and being like, Oh yeah, it's hard. It's easy. It's fun. It's up. It's down. It's a roller coaster. Yeah. But, uh, I appreciate the success that you guys are, that you guys are having. And, uh, Hey, uh, I love to me, podcast is very top of the funnel. If it gets something on somebody's radar, it gets them curious and they go in the store and check it out. It kind of, it kind of did its job. That's one of so the we things. Need one, one customer is more than, than just reach one. out and yeah. put it into your basket. That should the big yeah. app for sure. <laughs> yeah. We're very grateful. Well, my pleasure. Uh, so holyveggie.com, uh, W-H-O-L-L-Y-V-E-G-G-I-E. And if anybody, if somebody wants to reach out to you guys or have a chat or get to, I, is it LinkedIn or do you guys have, a, like, there's a million ways, but do you have a preferred if somebody Link, wants to chat? Link, LinkedIn's great. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. It's one of those social media pack, uh, platforms that I don't necessarily feel dirty after using it, but that's another conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Turn that Instagram off. Stop wasting your day. What are you doing with your life? Anyways, gentlemen, it was super fun to chat with you. All the best. And uh, I'm going to go grab your product this weekend and give it a try. Awesome. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you.